Welcome back for another episode of Counting the Stars. I'm Mary Gillum, and I'm here for morning coffee with my husband, Malone Gillum, where we ponder and discuss the big questions of life. Who are we? Why are we the way we are? What is truth and what is fiction? And just as endless as the stars in the sky are, our exploration never runs out of new questions and discoveries. So grab a cup of coffee for yourself if you like, and join us as we dive into what's unfolding this week. Let's focus in on seeing a little more of life and truth and do some growing up together as family. Here we go. Okay, we're off. We're off and running. Frost on the pumpkin this morning. <laughs> Cold. I was layered up. I had cashmere, wool, hat, scarf, the whole shebang out on the porch this morning. We have um, two very small, basic cat tents on our porch. And they're great because inside the tent is a pad that you that is electric. So it heats up when it feels the pressure of a cat sitting on it, right? And the tent has a clear flap on the front. So you can see in there, you can observe the cat if they choose to go in there. So this is the first really cool, cold night they've had so far this year. And it's the second or third year we've had these tents. So it's always so rewarding when it's this cold at the beginning of the season and they're plugged in, they're waiting for them, the tent's ready. And I always wonder, will they go in? (laughs) Will they take advantage of this beautiful warmth? So I went out this morning and sure enough, one of them Little face was in there with big eyes looking at me, and they were enjoying their warm tent. (laughs) A warm tent is a good thing. Uh, So that made me think of just the basic provision that we provide for our cats because we love them. Well, God has provided us with many, many, many provisions and probably is so happy when we take advantage of those provisions and enjoy life and enjoy him and enjoy one another. Yeah. (laughs) Thanksgiving's coming up. (laughs) We have, I've been reading, you handed it to me, a heavy book, um, which also has me thinking about how our Heavenly Father relates to us and what His emotions and her emotions must be as they watch family growing and living in this world. So the book I'm talking about is called The Pastor that's co-written by Brad Jersak and Uh, William Paul Young, and it's a thin little book, um, but it's heavy duty about the sufferings of a minister um, based on a lifetime of scars and wounding and how 
He carried that into his ministry and just a truly suffering person. And I haven't finished it yet, but it's, you follow his, his bottom and see what that's like. And it's, wow, it's, it doesn't mince any words and it, the way it's written, it truly takes you there with him. Yeah, it's uh, it's not like reading the shack <laughs> at all, which has so many uh, uplifting aspects to it. This is a this is a real in your face book. Um, I'm still kind of thinking about uh, what it is saying. Um, Certainly the main theme in there is how our wounds can contribute to a vision of God, which is very distorted, uh, that he's a punisher. And of course, most of us have been taught, if we grew up in the church, that God's a punisher. Um, you know, that you obey or you suffer the consequences of his wrath. But little is left to nuance any of those terms. So, you know, if wrath is part of just the normal consequences of sin or doing something wrong, well, then that's true. We do suffer wrath in that regard, Um, but it's not God punishing us. If wrath is also the, the... um, kind of manifestation of God against the things that are driving us to destruction, then yes, we could suffer under the wrath of God as He seeks to refine us and grow us up so that we mature. Um, but again, it's not a punishment. It's a, a revealing of things that we might be ignorant of or take for granted or even embrace and celebrate, which are actually destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not to turn this into a political discussion, uh, we're on the eve of the election, but it made me think of, in that very instance, how saddened I am and how tragic it is that the this display, in my opinion, of intimidation and bullying, like we saw all of these vehicles that surrounded um, the Biden campaign bus, uh, is being lauded as funny and uh, as a good thing. When if you actually step back objectively and look at it, it could never be defined that way. Mm-hmm. It's it was it, the those actions were clearly meant to disrupt and um, in some respects to intimidate and to bully, and yet they're being celebrated by people. And it's you know Isaiah says, "Woe to you that call evil good." Mm. It's just, um, so the revealing 
of those things when God says, uh, you've, you have participated in this and, and, uh, it's not that I'm going to condemn you for it, but you need to have your eyes opened and see how you're wounding other people and that you're participating in darkness and it's not good for your soul. Right. Right. That's the tricky part of, you know, everybody when they hear abundant life is ready to sign up for it until you realize that you have to go through the suffering of getting your eyesight cleaned up before you can enjoy that abundant life. Uh, Well, Mary, I think that's so important. Um, We all want abundant life, but we just want it to be like the lottery. (laughs) We just win abundant life and that's all there is to it. But you're exactly right. The process of living an abundant life is not without its own suffering. No doubt about it. The other heavy um, thing that we've (laughs) invested two hours of our life in recently was on Halloween night, we watched the movie Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse with, um, who are the actors? Willem Dafoe and yeah. I don't know the other guy's name, James Patterson or? G- yeah, the guy from Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> so an older actor and a younger actor. The acting is marvelous. Yeah, oh yeah. The story is complicated and and disturbing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know mm. what to say about this. <clears throat> I don't have anything to say about it other than it's amazingly well done. It is uh, a film of symbolism and metaphor. Mm-hmm. So you've, it's helpful, I guess, to know that going in. And it's a, it's a film of, of open-endedness. Um, uh, there's no tidy explanations for anything. So, but it's a, it's a real um, journey into these two men's kind of psyches and mm-hmm. uh, their identity <clears throat> in isolation, uh, except with each other. And yeah, it's a. I don't know. It's disturbing. Is exactly right. It's, it is. it's not uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> well, in in terms of just observing the internal worlds and and being a demonstration of how complicated that is and how deep and how how much it impacts each one of us. You know, it takes you back to just thinking about each of us has lived out our lives keeping that internal world to some degree intact and private and wrestling with it or denying it and pushing it down. And, and that that's really what um, our journeys can be about is, is being, being willing with a loving and patient God to walk through what, what has happened in my life, especially if you're in the second half of your life? I agree with Richard War, who thinks that, you know, the second half of life is really about assessing, okay, 
what has happened? Who am I? Let's really sort out um, truth here and grow from the trauma and the, the behavior I've adopted to just survive thus far. And let's really make the most of this. If you're willing to dive into that deep world with the help of the Holy Spirit who's sitting right there in the middle of it all, that's the kind of suffering to see truth and experience abundant life that I'm talking about. Yeah, and of course it's on almost every page of the Gospels. Um, Those who seek to... uh, gain life will lose it those who seek who will lose their lives will gain it the the fellow who builds bigger barns and it's like you fool your soul is required of you tonight uh so many things about our pursuit for in this case in that movie kind of control Mm -hmm. and identity they both wanted control yeah neither one of them willing to to submit at least in a good way and um, the exertion of power and violence and force. And, of course, this is it in a, uh, a crucible. But how in our lives it never produces um, the contentment or the satisfaction or the spoils that we uh, really envision, and it's detrimental to us. Um, You know, it really is, I've thought a a good deal about some verses over the last week or so. Uh, Certainly the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the love chapter, which says I can have, you know, all knowledge. And it's the same thing in in this, this form. You know, I can have it made in all sorts of worldly ideas. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. In fact, not only am I nothing, I'm a distraction. I'm a a clanging cymbal i'm a banging gong so i'm i'm not even neutral i'm i'm a nuisance to society i'm a nuisance to the world um when i'm void of love Uh, i'm thinking of um matthew where um the parable the yeah the parable of the sheep and the goats where jesus says you know you never showed me love you never gave me water or visited me, which are, uh, you know, you can take those literally, but they're really symbolic of living a life of submission and love towards one another. And the people say, well, hold on. We did all sorts of these powerful things, these forceful things in your name. See what we did? We grew the economy. We did all this stuff for you. And he says, well, I don't know who you are because you were devoid of love. Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't serving and submitting to your fellow man. And just the, how much that <clears throat> rings throughout the Gospels, that the content of our character is indeed amazingly important, uh, so much more so than our quote-unquote resume. Um, I've heard so many people say, you know, in fact, someone was asking me that they had been asked to respond to a friend, um, someone who is struggling. How how do I vote? Because this person has done 
what they believe was so many good things, but they find their uh, actions uh, unseemly. And we can justify that any number of ways, and I'm sure that we will. But the fact of the matter is, if I think, in my opinion, if we're honest, uh, we can't justify that. Because if we're devoid of love to our fellow man and serving one another, uh, all of the policy decisions we make, the accolades, the chest thumping because of all the things we've done, I still think it's one of those, I don't know who you are because you mistreated people so badly. Um, Anyway, you can tell I've been thinking about this sort of thing quite a bit and Mm -hmm. how our faith really meets real life and in an honest way Mm. where we can't just kind of uh, touch the surface and slough it off. But what does this really mean to be a follower of Jesus? Uh, And in saying that, let me just clarify. Um, It's not that I think either candidate is the embodiment of Jesus (laughs) or these these character issues. Uh, Don't misunderstand me at all. Um, you, we could dissect both of them, but <clears throat> what we can't do, in my opinion, is when our candidate starts to get dissected, automatically go, well, look at this other person. Uh, they need to stand on their own. Mm-hmm. Just like we stand on our own and we don't get to compare, you know, that caricature we have when our lives are on review uh, in the time of, well, here, this is a free bit of theology for you. Uh, And this is so important. Whenever you read about judgment in the New Testament, the Greek word is krisis or crisis. It's where we get our word crisis. It does not mean Uh, standing before the uh, judge and executioner who drops the gavel and says, okay, you've either passed or failed, and now you're either uh, okay or you're going to be executed and destroyed. That's what we basically think of as judgment. No crisis is, is, if I can put it this way, it's being confronted with the truth, which is Christ and love, Mm -hmm. and that producing an uh, an encounter for us which demands a decision. And we run into them all the time. There's not just one. So moments of crisis where we see things more clearly or at least more starkly in the moment, and we there's a crisis of the moment. That when you read judgment in uh, the New Testament, it is crisis. It's these moments um, of crisis that confront us. So, sorry, I gave you a theology. I forgot where I was. you remember what I was talking about? <laughs> no, that's really good. Just about looking at the candidates and looking at the whole person, everyone standing for themselves. Oh, and ourselves. That's right. So, we all have these moments of crisis um, that we're going to deal with, which goes full circle back to these experiences of suffering, which we might confuse with wrath of God punishing us 
when actually it's just a moment of crisis mm-hmm. where we are feeling we're squirming in our own skin because he's shown us the truth of the how we're behaving and what we're doing and that it's not who we really are. That's the crisis. I mean, how can you hold anyone culpable for doing evil things if they're evil? Of course they do evil things if they're evil. And you're going to punish them for that? It's like punishing a dog for barking. What do dogs do? They bark. No. We feel uncomfortable and it's a crisis because we're created in the image and likeness of God, which is only good. And yet our uh, mode of operating in this world is often so destructive and so it creates tension within us. That's why there's crisis. There would be no crisis if we were just simply uh, evil and born of original sin and nothing good in us. And that's all we, and of course, that's how we're going to act. So, you know, we need to peel back the layers on some of this stuff that we've inherited and take it for granted. Well, and not just need to. I think we're we're meant to walk through that crisis and have our eyesight cleaned up because there's no way we can enjoy abundant life, which includes forgiveness and mercy and grace. Mm-hmm. It's not about evening the evening up the score and um, paying for what we did wrong, but but actually seeing how we've hurt ourselves and others and how we've been hurt and and seeing all of that for what it truly is. And then instead of saying, all right, now let's suffer enough to pay that off, but being told it's forgiven and you are loved, that's something totally different than what this world offers. Absolutely right. And that in itself is another moment of crisis. <clears throat> to be confronted by pure love, and pure love says, I forgive you, that demands a decision or reaction. Do we, do we fall on our faces in gratitude, or do we then begin to justify and try to contribute towards our forgiveness? Well, we typically do the latter. But we don't have to. No, we don't have to. That's exactly right. We You're can enjoy right. the warm cat <clears throat> bed. <laughs> Which then is the whole point of the scripture saying you are a God worthy of praise. Mm. Why is he worthy? Well, because he does forgive and doesn't require um, punishment and uh, his pound of flesh. It is a revelation of something new. Um Gods that demand a pound of flesh is nothing new. There's no revelation in that. That's the same old story we've had since we began to record stories. That's mythology. That's Greek mythology. It's Norse mythology. It's all of our mythologies. It's the volcano god. No, our god is worthy of praise because it upends our world in goodness and love, and we can't deal with it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Good news. Good news. End of the day with more good news. Thanks for sharing your time with us today. We hope you feel encouraged and included in all of these discussions. Above all, 
we really want you to know that you matter and we're all really just one big family so until next week keep noticing your stars enjoy your freedom to explore life and just take it one step at a time <laughs>